then they find themselves in a situation where they have all this knowledge, but they can't manage the resource, the other side, which is so much more important, right? Anyone can gain knowledge. Anyone can do work at the end of the day. I feel that's just my, my feeling. So I think it's really um, about a lot of different things, but truly it's going to stem from what does that leadership look like? What is their focus and how do they treat their people? Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Have you ever considered getting a master's degree or graduate degree and you're not sure which subject might best suit your professional aims? Well, if you're a coach or an educator and you're listening to this podcast, look no further. You might want to consider the teacher leadership program at Northwestern University. There is no better time than now. Northwestern University has built an amazing teacher leadership master's degree and it's offered completely online with live weekly sessions on Zoom and plenty of opportunity for you to complete your coursework on your own schedule. Becoming a teacher leader is a great way to have an impact on your students, in your school, and in your community without leaving the classroom. The skills you learn in this program will help you be better in your immediate circle and who knows, might ultimately affect hundreds of thousands of people. Now, just go to Northwestern Teacher Leadership to register for an information session or to apply online. Scholarships are currently available for a September 22 start date. And if you're interested in talking to program leader Tim Dore to learn more, reach out at T-D-O-H-R-E-R, that's T-Dore, at gmail.com. This week's episode features a conversation with Becky Moran, Athletic Director at Round Lake High School in Round Lake, Illinois. Becky has worked in interscholastic athletic administration for 19 years at various high schools in the Chicagoland area. In addition to her role as a high school athletic director, she serves on the board of directors at both the state and national level. She is the current president-elect for the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association Board of Directors. She also serves the Illinois Athletic Directors Association as the professional development coordinator. Not only is Becky a successful athletic administrator, but she is also a wonderful human being, and we're excited to talk with her. Before we get started, please take a moment and like and subscribe to the Good Athlete Podcast. Be sure to share after giving it a listen. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy. I can only imagine that uh, being a successful athletic director, and of course you are one, I can only imagine the amount of total uh, challenges, concerns, opportunities that come across your desk, the amount of human interaction you have across the course of the day, the flood of logistics. I hope this is not anxiety inducing in any way, Uh, but just uh, so much, you know, the work would never stop. You talked about one of your strategies when we checked in this weekend, um, that journaling strategy, that offloading strategy. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So it, Typically, this is stuff that happens to me in the middle of the night when I'm, I wake up and my brain won't stop. Um, and so um, I take that opportunity to write it down, um, send myself an email. If you went through my emails, as I mentioned to you this weekend when we were chatting, there's probably you know 200 notes to self and most of them come between midnight and 5 a.m. Um, because that's just sometimes when my brain won't stop it, but it allows me then to just go back to sleep and not continue to think about it. And so it's just been, it's been really useful for me. Somebody said it to me many years ago, and I found that to be quite helpful in at least helping my brain shut down so I can go back to sleep. That's so, I I appreciate you sharing that, and you're definitely not alone. And that's like, like I said, I, the term that we use and I use is uh, offloading, 
because I'm in the same spot. If I ever have something, I, I, I try to work. I try to get to this place where I'm like, I either dismiss it. I, in fact, man, we're going to go deep real fast here. So I think, of, I think of boxes and balloons. So I think of, uh, you know, if I catch myself uh, ruminating, if, if I just can't let go of an idea, uh, I, I put it in either a box or a balloon. And if it's a balloon, uh, like if it's, if, it's, if it's something that I should not be and don't want to be concerned with, I imagine myself, I like literally visualize this idea and I picture this me laying in bed, thoughts rolling around in my head. I recognize one, envision it in a balloon, and then I literally just let it go. And I let it like float away. That's that's like my process to say, all right, that one doesn't have to stay here anymore. But if it's a if it's a box, if it's one that I want to save, like maybe I gotta do something, we have an important call with with Becky tomorrow. We gotta talk about something important. I I I, I there's nothing I can do about it now laying here in bed, but I, and I don't want to let it go fully, so I'll box it. And oftentimes, I'll do that same thing. I, I will just offload it. I'll take it off the front of my mind. I've got a, a notepad full of scribbles beside my bed. I'll just write it down, Becky, 2 p.m., yeah, something like that. Um, but that's one of my strategies. That's yeah. big. It, it, it seems simple, but it's so effective. So effective. Mm-hmm. You, okay, so what's the... Does that ever happen to you during the day? Do you ever oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, typically, I write it just, I have a notebook. I have an ongoing, um, like, list of, you know, conversations I've had, meetings I've been to, just, you know, just general stuff for my job. Um, and I write that on the right-hand side of my notebook. And on the back side, so the left-hand side, which I don't normally use, if there's stuff I need to come back to, I put it there so it's very easily identifiable for me in that same space where I can go back to flip to those pages of like to-do lists basically um, so that I don't forget to do any of those as well. Yeah. So it's definitely happens when I'm awake. I'm just less conscious of the offloading of it, I suppose, as I am when it's waking me up at three in the morning. So, so, all right. So tell us for those of us who are not athletic directors, tell us why, tell us what's that, what that's like. What what's like to be an athletic director? Yeah. Um. Wow. So all those I, don't know, I don't know that I've ever described my job to anyone. So this will be interesting. Um. So you know, it's the behind the scenes of athletics. Um. Most of us, I'm sure. I don't know who what your audience is, but I'm sure they have some idea of what an athletic event is. And when I was an athlete, I thought it was just you know we showed up to games. We didn't know who thought about the officials, the fields, the facilities, the transportation, um, uniforms, coaches, um, all of the things that make this go. And that just um, continues to grow in terms of what we do. We're worried about social emotional health of athletes. We're worried about social media presence or telling our story in an online fashion. Um, But when I started in athletics, you know, we did things on pencil and paper and I faxed pieces of paper to other schools, you know, things that you know, you say that now and someone look at you like you're crazy. Um, but so just, you know, really just the total behind the scenes management of athletics um, in terms of the, the management side. We also have a human resource side talking about staff, talking about students um, and, you know, working with them and not only managing that, but leading um, having a vision for the program, having an idea where you want to go and getting everybody on the same page, in the same boat, rowing in the same direction. That's so good. And that's, you, you know, I mean, you and I have talked off off podcast, but that's the thing that inspires me most. And I hope that people see about 
the athletic director profession. Not only are you doing all that behind the scenes stuff that, that, that to make these events come alive, to provide the opportunities for, for kids mm-hmm. and coaches and families and the community, the whole deal. But um, that the alignment around a vision is so powerful and transcends sport. That's one of those things where it's like, you know, you talk about life lessons. That's a life lesson that people get around. Um, what is, what's the page that you're trying to get all your people currently on at Round Lake? What's your, what's your vision? Sure. So, you know, the thing I've talked about from day one is that this is a get to job, not a have to job. And so, especially working with my coaches, um, making sure that they show up in a way that's positive for our student athletes, um, really focused on student experience. What does that look like? How do they experience us? How do they experience our staff? Um, and everything that we do changes that experience in some way. And so really challenging our coaches to show up and give 100% every day, knowing that that's the ideal. Everyone's going to have bad days, but also having a space where we can call each other on that when we're not doing it. So I think, and and really, again, going back to why is that student experience and giving them the best possible high school experience that we can through athletics. I love that, Becky. And, and so that's so. The outcome, obviously, is, is yeah, great outcomes or uh, positive experiences for kids. That makes complete sense. It sounds like one of the methods that you have to take to get there, not only alignment around that, that shared purpose, but you mentioned difficult conversations, too. So, like, call, call pe- people on things when, uh, when it's not going the way that you anticipated. Um, what does that look like? Because that seems hard. It's not. It's no. not for me. I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, it just, we call them difficult conversations. They may be uncomfortable or, you know, and I think, um, sometimes people are unwilling to have those conversations because you're never, you're never sure how the receiver is going to interpret your message. Um, but at the end of the day, I focus back on our why, our why is our students and our student experience. Um, and if we're not, you know, comfortable having those conversations that lead to positive change, then maybe we shouldn't be sitting in our seats. So I think that's first and foremost, but I think it really starts with the relationships that you establish with the people that you work with, knowing that, you know, I don't, I don't approach a coach and say, you did this wrong. I approach a coach and say, how can this be better? How can we work together? How can I support you? And so, but growing that relationship on the front end allows for those more difficult conversations to happen because they know where it's coming from. They know the source is my heart and not just checking a box to make sure things are done. And that's really, um, when you talk about getting people rolling the same way, that's how you get them there. Yeah, that's, I mean, we're obviously, we're fully on the same page there. I think, you know, one way that we try to measure success is results in relationships. And the truth is they don't happen you know, certainly you don't get results without relationships, but I would also argue that, you know, especially in athletics, this is kind of the, the back and forth you need. And then I think what you need is to have some results prove to be like proof of concept for the process. Sure. Um, but I would argue that it always, it almost always happens that way. If you, if, if you've got, if you're working hard on relationships, then results will come and the results may not be a championship necessarily, but more often than not, you probably get the best out of your people, which is ultimately the goal, I would think. Okay, so what do you, what do, you do? Here's a hypothetical, because no one's ever disagreed with you, so you'll have to imagine with me for a second. <laughs> they certainly have, but it's okay. <laughs> well, what if you do, what, what happens if, if, if you're trying to call someone on something like a coach, mm-hmm. and uh, 
And maybe you don't see it the same way. Maybe you don't, you know, uh, you, you use an example, like not, you're not accusing someone of something, but don't you want to get this better? What if they're like, no, that's exactly how I want it. And you don't think it's aligned with the mission. How do you approach a conversation like that? So we actually had one of those really tough conversations this year um, with a coach who we have just a different um, philosophy and understanding of what our role is in athletics. Um, and so, you know, we talk about it, we identify some like solid examples to say, here's where we're not lining up. Here's where we're headed. Um, and then I tie it back to what they're doing as a coach. You know, if I had a conversation as a coach with an athlete and the athlete said, I don't need to get better, then we probably have an issue. And the same thing happens when you have a coach that says, I don't need to get better. I don't need to do what you're doing. Right. This is the way the boat, this is where we're headed, right? This is where collectively we have decided, you know, cause I brought everybody in, got buy-in on where we're headed. This is where we're headed as a team. If that doesn't align with you, that's great, but this is where we're headed. So one of us needs to make a decision. I'm going to vote for my kids and I'm going to vote for where this bus and this, this is headed. Now, I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, not open to the conversation. Help me understand how you see it. Try to get them to share with me so that we can come together and work together. Because ultimately, my goal is to grow people, not to get rid of people. But, you know, there, there sometimes comes a point where we're just headed in two totally different directions. And I need to do what is best for our program and our kids in the direction that we're headed collectively. So I, I love the clarity of that, because from my experience in, in athletics and beyond, I think what I see sometimes, no, I, I see it all the freaking time, <laughs> like is, is frustration. People get frustrated. And in frustration, what I see is like, sometimes people get frustrated because someone's not doing it the way that they want them to without an understanding of why, or even like explicit direction as to like, as to how, uh, so, but, but frustration builds up. So like, say, I can only imagine if I were in your position, I, I've coached for ages. And if I were to, you know, be in a position where I had to watch someone coach the sport that I had coached, um, those are the first things that would pop up in my mind, just as a knee jerk reaction, like, well, I would have done it this way or whatever, but that's neither good nor bad. You know, it, it's understandable, but it's not good or bad the way this this outside party is is coaching until you can hold it up to a purpose. Like, is it accomplishing the goal that we set out to do? And I love what you said that that's it's almost like accountability with a heart. It's like, hey, I'm not even look. You do you you were so thoughtful, and that's why you're in your position because you said. Uh, you know, our coaching philosophies just don't, may not exactly align. Fair enough. But as a department, as a school, we're going in this direction. If you're going in a, a different direction, it's almost like, hey, we're not even mad at you, but that's, but that's not where we're headed. Yeah. So no, I don't, I don't, you can't get mad about it. It is what it is, right? Like that's at the end of the day, we all have different philosophies on what we're doing. And I'm not telling you how to get there. What I'm telling you is this is where we're going and you need to get there. Right. I love that. How did you come up with your mission? How did you do you, uh, is this, did you bring it in? Do you get other voices involved? So, you know, I think my mission is always to provide that experience and that positive experience. And what are we doing to get better every day? Um, and that's just ingrained in my, who I am. My DNA says we're going to look for better um, and, and always build on that. So um, in terms of that piece of it, yes, I brought that in. I brought that my expectations, my first meeting with my staff was to tell them that this is who I am. This is, it goes back to that first meeting. My first meeting with my entire staff said, you don't have to be here. Right. This is a choice that you're making. But if you're going to make this choice, this is the work that we're going to do. This is how we're going to show up for kids, because that's what we do.
And so I think that, you know, so that piece of it, that mission, that vision for the, the what we're doing, and then you build around it. When you have that clarity of where you're going and the experiences you want to provide, decisions become very easy. Yeah. Um, and you start to to find that. One of the things that we did, though, uh, when I started, they had some core values, um, but I couldn't line up 10 coaches that could tell you what they were, mm-hmm. nor what they stood for. Um, and so we took the time and I opened it up to the entire staff and we went through an entire process of determining what our core values were going to be for our department. And we landed on heart. And I just think that's so important. Um, it, it's just, it naturally, that's where we got to. So, but I think it's great for a couple of reasons because our values spell heart, but the heart of, if you put your heart into what you're doing, you're always going to be better at it. And so we can tie it back to that. So we, our hashtag is always heart of a Panther. What are we doing? And, and this is what it means to have a heart of a Panther. And then, you know, when you care about something, when you love it, you're just going to give more attention to it and be um, more mindful of how you treat it. Can I, uh, so what's the acronym? Do you know offhand? Yeah. Yes. So hard work, accountability, exceed expectations, resilience, and teamwork. Accountability. Exceed expectations. Expectations. The R is what? Resilience. Resilience. I'm writing this down. Teamwork. Teamwork. I'm putting this in my own life. Uh, <laughs> love it. That's, that's really good. That's, uh, that's really good. And then, um, man, what you just said is so right. Like how many, how many times like at a school or a business do you see like values pasted up on the wall? Mm-hmm. People don't know what they are, or what they stand for. And then I think in a, a, a one question that I'm always really interested in is, and how do you bring these things to life in your space? So like, you know, like, I think you've heard some of my spiel before, but like, uh, you know, how do you, how do you teach for resilience? coach in a way that will not only serve the student now in their sport but but beyond i'm really interested in methods like that um yeah so how do you check if people are doing this what's the their process for that yes so we're really i mean it really becomes a forefront of our conversations um with our coaches we have we talk about it all of our coaches meetings um and then we're going to continue to grow that we're um, really in its infancy, this is the first year we've rolled out what that is. And so now as we move forward, building that out to say, how can we celebrate this? Um, taking a letter a week to really make that our forefront for all of our programs that week. And you probably cycle through each twice in a season. Um, and then also just being able to recognize that um, and provide external extrinsic motivation for achieving some of those things. So, you know, we also, we've changed our end of year awards. We have a male and female heart award winner of the year. Um, and so just celebrating it as well, saying these, these students exemplify that. And when you can tie back a student or a person to those values and you can see those living out in somebody else, now it just starts to spread. Oh, that's what they meant when, because sometimes words on paper are words on paper, right? But when you can start to see people living those things out and learning and understanding those things as they grow, um, it, it really is impactful that way. We also share it with our community. We share it with our parents. Um, and we want them to know this is what, when you come into this program, these are the things that we are going to be intentional about teaching you in addition to the sports skills and tactics that you hope to grow over their four years with us. It's really good. I like that heart award winner <clears throat> idea too, right? Like you, you, you oftentimes will get more of what you reward, mm-hmm. right? If you, say, if you want to see more hearts, you've got to reward specifically that. That's amazing. The, um, all right. So how have you brought this into your life? That's the personal question. Sorry. 
It's okay. <laughs> in terms of those values? Yes, outside you know, of athletics. It's just, I think this is how I approach my work. I, I approach my work with love and care, and that's my heart. And so those pieces of it that come with it, like you don't get to any place of or position of leadership, position of having some success without having those pieces tied to that work, right? Hard work. I could, you know, certainly we could go on example after example of, you know, what that looks like and, and where that has shown up. Um, exceed my, exceed expectations. I think that's just a, it's, that's it, right? Like it's every, (laughs) and I want accountability, right? Like I want to be called to the carpet. And I think, so the way that I show up for my staff is living that the way I show up as a, as a person outside of work is living that, um, accountability, returning my shopping cart, right? Nobody says I have to do that, but I do it. My husband often asks me if I work at stores, because if there's a shirt on the floor, a, a box that needs to be faced, I'll just, I don't, it's just in me. I just do it. So it truly does show up in everything, um, that I do. And, you know, especially the teamwork, the resilience you know, I'm, I'm all about those, um, pieces, teamwork for sure. Um, it just, so it really does show up in everything. And in the, what I found is that it's incredible because I think in the creation of a company values or an athletic department values, they should feel authentic to the leader, right? Because the, the job will be somehow it's like it, the values are in part distillation of what's so important to you. And what you're really trying to do, that's how you, I think that's how you really bring leadership to the forefront of, of an organization is that it's got to be authentic. You've got to model it, you know, all, all of these things that you've said, and you've got to share it and hold the people accountable to the same standards. It's funny. You mentioned the, uh, we saw our mutual friend, Randy Obrenth this weekend too, yeah. down in Peoria. And one of the things that like, you know, of the many, many lessons that he taught me and continues to, one thing that I really rec- rem- remember uh, and recognized when I was young uh, about his behavior was his care, not just for people, but about the space. So like this guy, I don't know how he has the capacity to care for as many people as much as he authentically does, because that's just the truth. That's of it. Just who he is. Yeah. That's just who he is. And then, and then he met the shopping center thing. You know, I, <laughs> if he listens to this, I hope he's not embarrassed by it, but I remember when this guy was in need of a new hip, hadn't yet gotten it and was kind of limping around the place. This is that's not derogatory, coach. I love you. Uh, but but I say that because and, and still bending down to pick up water bottles and, mm-hmm. and, and trash and stuff that people had littered on the whether it was in the in the in the gym after a game or, or on the campus mm-hmm. just because he also cared about his place. He cared about how it was represented, how it represented, you know, how the school rep- was represented. It's just it was nonstop. So that's authentically you I'm hearing. Is that true? It is. Can I give, yes. Can I give you a quick example of that? I love it. Yeah, please. So this was about, geez, uh, almost 20 years ago now. Um, and I was coaching and we took a trip about an hour away from school. And after the game, I coached soccer. Um, it was a boys soccer team. And they said, you know, we'd really like to stop for food. And I said, that's great. Where'd you like to stop? We don't want to go to McDonald's. And I'm like, yeah, we're not doing that. That's not what we fuel our bodies with. We're not doing that. I said, so if you want to stop, we can go to Subway, right? Like, what do you mean? We always eat this other stuff. I said, not with me. That's not what we're going to do. However, so we stopped. They agreed. They were hungry, right? At the end of the day, they're going to agree with me. And I'm I'm pretty like, here's my things. Here's some non-negotiables. I am not going to be part of you putting that type of fuel into your body because it's not actually fuel. And so we go to Subway and they use shredded lettuce. And I told these kids, we got on the bus and I said, if there is one shred of lettuce on this bus when we get off, we are cleaning buses on Saturday. 
Like, that's what we're going to do. And there was not. There was nothing yeah, on our bus when we got off that bus. But yeah. that bus driver took us on the rest of our trips. I stayed in contact with her. If she, she would, when I left that school, she would purposefully, because I left to be an assistant athletic director at another school and I was no longer coaching. She purposefully took every trip to my school to visit just because of the way that I showed up for my kids in that situation and showed up for her and said that it mattered. And it's not just about our single person, but it's about all of those pieces. So, and that was almost 20 years ago. So really I have not changed, um, <laughs> but that's the way, that's the way I show up. I love that. And, and, and there's a reason, you know, success is <clears throat> partly opportunity, but rarely uh, just good fortune. It, 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 mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of stuff that leads up to it. That, that's amazing. And what I can't help but think of is that, so you mentioned that was 20 years ago. How many people, how many young people watched you do that over the course of 20 years and have, and that's influenced their behavior a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's huge. Can I tell you a quick story uh, about how Randy Obram shows up? And so we yes. were, uh, we were, I, I'm very lucky to work with an incredible group of kids and we, they, who just won a powerlifting, you know, national championship in powerlifting. They're amazing kids. And we have an amazing set of coaches and amazing opportunities provided by Augie and, and our school and all that stuff. So, but we, we were down there and we were, it was, it's a two day event. So we're day two of this two day event. Mind you, this is, this is, we have 23 teenagers down in Oklahoma city fueled by mostly barbecue, staying in a hotel. <laughs> it has, it has potential to be, a real challenging uh, event, but it, it, in powerlifting for two days, and it was it was so much fun. Uh, at least I had a blast. But at the second day is when they tally all the scores and they announce who the winners are going to be. We don't yet know that we've won, so they're telling the scores on the second day. And this this um, like epiphany, strange moment of clarity and gratitude all at the same time came. When, um, you know, as they're telling up the scores, the association begins to break down the event. So they're taking this, you know, they're, they're loading the plates into the truck and all this stuff. And I'm not sure there was a kid on our team who wasn't involved in it. So we, it was NASA, National Athletes Training Association. So NASA is breaking down the event while, while some of their folks are, are tallying the scores. And our kids are, are right there picking up litter, helping carry bars out to the trailer. One of my assistant coaches is on his hands and knees. Riyad Pekmez, if you listen to this, um, on his hands and knees with the back of a hammer, you know, taking, uh, dismantling the platforms with these mm-hmm. guys. It was just such a, an incredible moment. And I know that the expectations that, that I have and we have stem from the model that was set, you know, in my, uh, you know, as I was developing as a coach. So I can't help. I say all of that. First of all, it was an amazing moment with amazing people. But I can't help but think uh, if that's been you over 20 years, how many times that's rippled out into the lives of, of other people. That's, well, I hope so. that's called making the world a better place. I don't have to put you on the spot there. but Thank you. Yeah. All right. So let's um, – we've said enough positive things. Let's say some mean, angry, intense things. Wow, okay. I, I, I don't mean that. I don't, let's not do that. But – one thing, you know, when we were when we were chatting in the hallway at the conference this weekend, we brought up this idea, which was why good people leave situations. And we're here; it's it's 2022. We're in uh, at least some people are referring to this moment 
in professional time is the great resignation where people are leaving jobs left and right. What are some of your thoughts on that? You know, I think um, truly, you know, I've seen the meme. We've all seen the memes that we don't leave bad. Um, you know, we don't leave. We leave because of our leaders. We leave because of the the culture, the climate um, that is set in the workplace that we want different from, we want better from. And I think that, you know, I think, finally think the the employees who should have been empowered all along now are feeling this empowerment to say, we demand it be better or we're not going to stay. We okay. demand to be paid what we're worth. We demand to be treated in a manner that all humans should be treated in and not just, um, you know, people that are in certain positions or people that come from a certain class or race or whatever, um, it should be for everyone. And I think that people are starting to demand that as they should, um, which is truly where I think a lot of that stems from. And, and unfortunately, um, people find themselves in, in positions of leadership, whether by position or power, whatever that becomes, and they don't have the skill set to really work with the human side, right? A lot of times they there it's a skill-based promotion, not a human-based promo- promotion, and we lose that piece and then we don't take the time to properly train them to be successful in that piece. And so then they find themselves in this situation where they have all this knowledge, but they can't manage the resource the other side, which is so much more important, right? Anyone can gain knowledge. Anyone can do work at the end of the day. I feel that's just my my feeling. So I think it's really um, about a lot of different things, but truly it's going to stem from what does that leadership look like? What is their focus and how do they treat their people? Say that again. <laughs> what is that leadership? How do they focus? How do they, uh, what do they focus on and how do they treat their people? Yes. Thank so, you. Thanks for saying it for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I, yeah, I'm learning. I like this. Uh, treat their people. It, <clears throat> you're reminded. It's like there are two things I'm reminded of when you say that. One is the field of academia, where oftentimes uh, well-published, accomplished, oftentimes brilliant professors will be promoted. Will, will lead labs and lead initiatives, and good for them. I'm not calling anybody out, but uh, you know, if you're excellent at research that doesn't necessarily mean that you're excellent at leading people and i would even suggest in that kind of situation that it almost means that you're maybe not as good like you're you might be incredible putting your nose down and, and uh you know really grinding out work but interacting with humans might not might not be a forte it also makes me think of i'm making up this term right now although it probably exists it's like uh it's like the michael scott effect you ever watch the office Mm-mm. you never did that's because you were too busy changing the lives of young people. Well, not me. Not me. I've watched every episode. Uh, many, I think most of them many times. And it's, it's funny, the Michael Scott effect, you know, he's this bumbling, funny, but kind-hearted person, but who got promoted because he was good at his, at his sales job. Not, and then, you know, the, the in many ways, the show is about him sort of like you know, awkwardly fumbling through the, the challenge of leading people. Um, but it, it, it's funny, though, because this sort of unspoken narrative of that is he's strangely successful at it. You know, he got promoted for the wrong reasons. He was good at this one job, put into a leadership position, fumbled his way through, but was strangely successful at it because he genuinely cared about people. Yeah. Yeah. If you lead with heart, you, you rarely go wrong. I think the other piece when I talked about that, a lot of times it's based on that skill set that they have and not 
in terms of the knowledge of the whatever it is that they are working with. Um, the reality is that like that's oftentimes what tends to lead towards micromanagement because they can't let go of how they did what they're doing enough to let someone else do it. And so now they're finding themselves in this situation where they're having a huge struggle because it's, you know, Becky Moran just can't get this right. So I'm going to have to do it for Becky Moran. Now I take on all this extra work because it has to be done. I'm in a position, you know, of accountability as a leader, um, but not truly understanding. We got to go back all the way to that human side. How do we teach them that piece of it so that they can grow their people to the point where they can do that work. And I think ultimately when we approach our positions of leadership from that, right, we lead with our heart and we grow our people. Um, again, that's really where you find success. There's no doubt. Okay. So because that seems so obvious to me <laughs> is why don't people, why don't more people do it? Where do people go wrong? Why is that not as obvious to people? What do they get distracted by? Um, I think, you know, a, I sometimes just don't even know people are doing, they don't know that they're doing it. Cause I think at the end of the day, they don't, we don't always know how we're received, yeah. right. Unless you seek feedback and people are afraid of feedback because feedback could hurt. Um, but I also, um, I, I just, I think they get distracted in the unknown, right? Because things we don't know are fearful things that we, um, are learning to go growing through. And, and uh, so many people are afraid to be vulnerable. Like I'm in my role and I'll tell you right out, like I make mistakes almost every day. We all do. Um, I try to minimize them and learn from them, but we certainly are going to make mistakes. I'm going to step in big buckets. I'm going to step in small ones. Um, and so, but I'm, I'm willing to be accountable to my mistakes. I'm willing to be vulnerable and say, I don't know how to do something. Um, but I don't think everyone has those skills. I don't think everyone's comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that's, really where I think we can struggle. But I, some of it's just identification of a deficit. Identification of a deficit, which means you got to stare in the face, which means you got to be willing to get the feedback. And, and hearing you right, the uh, creating a culture where more people are receptive to that begins full circle with relationships. And it also, you it, you have to create a safe space to fail. And I talk to my coaches about this all the time, because if, if every time you make a mistake on the field of play, I'm yelling at you, that's not safe, right? If, if I can tell you, hey, here's what you did wrong. Here's how we can make it better next time. And I believe that you can be better, right? Belief is so powerful. Yeah, that's so good. But we can circle all the way back to something we talked earlier is that feedback piece has to be from somebody who's willing to have a tough conversation with somebody. Yeah. To identify that deficit. Such a challenging balance. It is. Right? Because that's what it, and it's, it's funny because it's at the, it's the heart of the good athlete project. You know, we talk all the time about what, what might seem like polarities. Um, you, you know, you not only should you be, but in, as I hear you talk about this, you have to be both tough and kind. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's not like I'm a, I'm a, I'm the soft coach. I'm the kind coach. Mm-hmm. I'm the hard, hard ass coach. Excuse my language. But like, you gotta be, I know, I know. Uh, I might have to ask Coach Lim to edit that out. Or we might keep it, just. Keep it. Yeah. The, uh, but to be both tough and kind, having that balance, having someone who can be in both of those places as needed. So when the, when the hard feedback comes, you know, it's coming from a place of kindness. And when things get real hard, you know, you've got a kind person to lean, lean on as needed. Uh, does that start with hiring in part too? Like you, you surround yourself with oh, right yeah. But I think one of the things you just said, though, I think it also that it goes back to the delivery of a message, right? I can come in and say, Becky Moran, you screwed up. Or I can come in and say, here's how we can be better, right? It's approach. 
I'm, my intended outcome is the same, but it's my choice of approach and how I come at that problem to get the solution that I need. So I think it's, and again, relationships, heart, how do you lead? And I think leading with your heart is where you find that success. So in terms of hiring, absolutely. I think that's, that's so funny that you say that one of my, I was talking to one of my secretaries this morning and she just said, I wish you could hire all of our head coaches. Like, cause not all of them are mine, right? Like I've, I inherited a staff and, you know, been able to grow them and work with them and, and they're tremendous individuals, but the ones we've, we have, I have had the opportunity to hire. I just have a different focus. Those are things I look for outside of, you know, X's and O's, right? It's how do you do that? Cause everyone, this day and age, knowledge, information is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Now it's about how do you communicate that? How do you reach kids? Can you? You got to reach them to teach them, right? Isn't that an old adage that, That's it. you know? That's so, so good. You're right. The knowledge is everywhere is such an interesting idea, too. I just today sent, um, it's a 365 day, so every day of the year. It's a, it's a program from Army football. So, like, really well-considered good stuff. Um, we, we, I just sent it out to my staff because one of the coaches had made it freely accessible. And, you know, and what does that mean? It's like, well, you know, strength and conditioning is very near and dear to my heart. There's a lot of science behind it and a lot of really positive potential impacts of it. It's done well, but like anyone could have that. Any, think about that. Any, any coach in the nation could have access to a full year of armies strength and conditioning program for their football team. It's there. It's towards at your fingertips. It's the implementation. It's the way it's distributed that will change the ultimate outcomes. So I, so what, and, and I say that in part because there will be some people who hear your message, our message, and they're like, nah, I want to win. I want to win. Mm-hmm. And, and for them too, I would say, fair enough. This is a good way to do that also, <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so leading with heart is not a soft idea. Uh, it is a successful idea. I'd even say that it can be as you've really well, you know, you've articulated so well, uh, it, it, it can be hard. It requires, in fact, it requires, requires me to, yes, that's part of the whole deal. All right. So I got two final questions for you. One, sure. is, one is in honor of, uh, one of our previous podcast uh, editors, Alex Nadalno, who's a strength guy over at St. Viator High School and doing a great job over there. Uh, he had rapid fire questions. And I'm curious about you just because I want to know uh, what life outside of athletics looks like. One of his favorite questions to ask people was, what's your first, what's the first concert you ever went to? And what's the last concert you went to? Okay. Posters. So first, so as, as a, um, Young person, we would go to a county fair outside of um, pretty close here. We'd go camping. My grandparents would take us. The first that I remember going to is Alabama. But I saw, what's that? It's a country. No, 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 I'm saying amazing. That's your first concert. (laughs) That, there was a couple Oak Ridge boys. I saw the Oak Ridge boys there. I saw Roger Whitaker there things that like kids my age just were not doing. Like my friends were going to new kids on the block and other like, yeah, I didn't get to do those things. Um, and then the last concert I went to, hmm, I think it's been a couple years. So, um, maybe I need to have more of a social life, but I think the last concert I went to was social distortion. Social. I love that. And, and I think what, what an art. <laughs> right, like touched on everything there. Right. That's I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, and then my my very final question is, 
uh, how do people find you? I think I think you're excellent, and you, I think you have a ton of really valuable things to share. Where can people uh, who listen to this find you to learn more? Oh, you mean like to reach out? Well, I mean, I'm at Round Lake High School. I'm the athletic director here. Knock on the door. Um, what's that? Knock, knock on the door. Call me. Um, seriously, I think my um, cell phone number, if you Google my name, pops up. I think people know how to get a hold of me. Um, but um, I'm on Twitter. I'm not a huge social media presence. But where are you? Where, where at on Twitter? I am at AD Moran, CMAA on Twitter. AD Moran. What's CMAA? Oh. It's Certified Master Athletic Administrator. The credential. I love it. AD Moran, CMAA. Awesome. Okay. So. Or just stop by. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Yeah, but just stop by, right? Give me a call. I'm happy to help. I think if uh, there's anything that people would say about me is that I'm willing to help others and then serve in that capacity for anyone. It's, That's amazing. I love and for it. what it's worth, I would definitely say that about you. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for uh, thank you for uh, our relationship, all you've done for, for the state and all of the kids that you uh, do such good work for. So thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them is up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.